You know, things have changed. Times have changed. Um, I might be dating myself. I was just thinking this week, all the way back in my childhood, I moved into a little town called Savannah, New York, when I was five years old. And when I was growing up, we actually had an egg man and a milkman. We had people that delivered egg and uh, eggs and milk every week to our home. And it was they were dirt cheap. They brought them around. We also had, of all things, and this is really going to date me, I just talked to my parents this week to make sure I was right on this. We had a party line for our phone. And probably a lot of you folks are wondering, what in the world's a party line? It was not a party, let me tell you. It was the most inconvenient thing. But it's where a, a number of people shared the same phone line. Our neighbors shared the same phone line. And sometimes when you pick it up, you'd hear your neighbor on that phone line. You had to wait for them to get off in order for you to be able to make a phone call. But I grew up with a party line. And now today's day, no party line. We have our own individual phones. Not, a, not only our own individual phones, we have you know, phones that go in our pocket. We have phones that are on our watches. We have video phones. We have all kinds of opportunities. And you just think how things have dramatically changed for us over the years. You know, 30 years ago, when I was in Bible college, I remember my very first videotaped message. And it was on VHS videotape. And it was, it was the first time, and I remember watching myself in video camera thinking, man, I... I'm so glad that when I become a pastor that they don't videotape my messages because I hope they never, ever do that ever again. And then look, obviously, here's what we're doing all the time. And then I think, um, you know, here, 30 years later, we have cars that have Wi-Fi. We have even appliances that have Wi-Fi. Everything has dramatically changed over the past 30 years. Things have dramatically changed. We've dramatically changed. We have changed. How do you look differently over the years? How do I look differently? You know, I am taping right now, right here in our church grounds. I am um, right outside of our foyer at East Bay Calvary Church. And if someone had moved away from Traverse City 30 years ago, they would have no idea where I am right now. Because 30 years ago, this whole area was an orchard. And in fact, this church didn't exist. The facility didn't exist. This was an orchard. I'm looking over here at the development. And, uh, and this development over here also was an orchard. I had talked to individuals who used to work this orchard and talked to individuals who used to come and park up on the hillside up here and watch the fireworks on 4th of July much like they oftentimes do here even now in our church parking lot. But things have changed over the last 30 years. You know, the way that your pastor looks has changed over the last 30 years. I've got a pic I want to show you of my freshman year in college 31 years ago. It's a picture of my sister and I, my sister Pam and I, 31 years ago. And obviously you're looking at it right now and you're thinking, man, he has not changed at all. He looks the very same as what he used to. Well, um, amazing. Yeah, no comments. Please don't laugh because you have changed as well. We all have changed. You know, change is inevitable. <clears throat> and when it comes to our lives, change is not only inevitable, Jesus wants us to change. 
But he wants us to change not only just physically, he wants us to change from the inside out and he wants to be the change agent in our lives. So welcome to week three in our series called Multiply. You know, we worked through three different weeks now as we're in the week three. Week number one, we talked about how Jesus calls ordinary people in everyday lives to be his followers. And that's good news for ordinary people like you and me. He wants us to follow him. And then last week we saw, <clears throat> not only does he call ordinary people, but following Jesus, it starts at the cross where we repent of our sin, where we leave all of that behind and where we follow Jesus as our forgiver and the leader of our lives, where we, you know, we tell our old boss of self, you're fired. And we cling to the new boss of Jesus Christ and let him lead us. That was last week. Today we talk about the reality that Jesus calls his followers and he wants to change us. He wants to change us from the inside out. And we're going to go back to our study passage found in Matthew chapter 4, verses 18 and 19. Let me read them for you again. It mentions, as Jesus was walking beside the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon called Peter and his brother Andrew. And they were casting a net into the lake, for they were fishermen. Follow me, said Jesus, and I will make you fishers of men. And so the key passage, the key phrase for today, Jesus said, follow me and I will make you. You know, Jesus wants to change us. Jesus wants to develop us. Jesus wants to mold us. He wants to transform us. He doesn't want to leave us the way that we were. He wants to change our attitudes. He wants to change our beliefs. He wants to change our character. He wants to change everything about us. So let's talk about this for a few minutes. It's not just that we change, but here's the big thing. It's not just that we change, but it's what we change into. So I want you to think about this very important point. Followers change to look like Jesus. Followers change to look like Jesus. Romans 8, 29, I'm going to give you a couple passages. Romans 8, 29 says, For those God foreknew, he also predestined, here's the key phrase, to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. To be conformed to the image of his Son. Followers change to look like Jesus. Us being conformed to the image of Jesus, that is our destiny. That's the destiny of followers of Jesus from the very beginning. That's God's plan for us. That's God's plan for rescuing us from the very beginning. He wanted us and wants us to resemble Jesus in every way. 2 Corinthians chapter 3 Verse 18 says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image. There it is again. With ever-increasing glory which comes from the Lord 
who is the Spirit. It's what we're going to be in heaven. And it's what God has destined for us even here on earth. God's goal for followers of Jesus Christ is to change us into the image of his son, Jesus Christ. And he's going to do it. He's going to do it in your life and in my life. And here's the question I have for you as we go any farther. As far as looking like Jesus, how are you looking? How are you looking right now? How am I looking? You know, we've been uh, quarantined. We've been cooped up in the same place for, what, seven, eight weeks? You know, how's that attitude? How are we doing in our home? How are we doing with our spouse? How are we doing with our kids? How is that love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control? How is that looking like Jesus right now? You know, God has us. He's homeschooling us right now is what he's doing. God is homeschooling us. He's got us on this homeschool curriculum. And it's like a curriculum that we have never, ever taken before. It is brand new material. And it's not the easiest material that we've ever done. And it reminds me, when I was building a home back in the year 2000, and I was working with, a, with an elderly man named Bert, one of my best buddies. And as we were building the home, he was doing the plumbing. And the only thing he had ever worked with in his life was copper plumbing. And so he did all the copper plumbing and he got done. And I looked at it and I said, Bert, that looks awesome. I love it. And Bert said, well, you know, in plumbing, looks don't matter. It's when you put it under pressure. That's when you find out if it, if it really works. And so when it comes down to you and I in looking like Jesus, you know, appearances are one thing. But when we put it under pressure, that's when we find out what we're really made of. It reminds me of a quote that I had heard once. It said, trials don't make a man but rather they reveal what a man is made of. It's kind of what we're going through right now. This is God's homeschool for us. How are we looking? God has destined us, followers of him, to look like Jesus Christ. That's his goal. Now, how does that happen? How about we go inside and talk about that for a few minutes? Let's go on in. So how do followers change to look like Jesus? There's a really special passage in John chapter 15 that I just want to work through quickly with you. And then I really hope that your time with your small group will just blossom as you work through this passage together. Let me read it for you for a moment. John chapter 15, the first five verses. It says, I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. 
it must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. How do we change? How does Jesus build change into our lives? I'm going to give you three things from this special text for us to build this into our lives. We will never change to be like Jesus on our own. Let's just, let's just face that fact. We'll never change to be like Jesus on our own. There's two quotes from Jesus in the last two verses that I read that are of particular importance to us. The first one, he says, no branch can bear fruit by itself. No branch can bear fruit by itself. And the second quote that Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing. So Jesus said it two different ways in this verse. And truthfully, we've experienced it hundreds of different ways. This figure out life on our own. We can follow our own path. We can follow our own heart our own wisdom, lean on our own understanding kind of a thing. You know, we understand the reality that if we go it alone, if we try to do things separate from Jesus Christ, we are ultimately setting ourselves up for failure. We talked a little bit about it last week when we mentioned that we need to tell our old boss of self, we are fired. I love this quote by Burke Parsons, and he mentions it this way. He says, much of my learning to follow Jesus is unlearning to follow myself. And this self-guided, I can handle it, I don't need anyone else, I think I have it all figured out spirit, isn't going to make it as a follower of Christ. Jesus said it, I've experienced it, You've experienced it as well. No branch can bear fruit by itself. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing. And we just kind of need to focus on that and get our heart wrapped around it. This whole Christian life, this following Jesus thing, we will never change to be like Jesus on our own. And this just rolls right into number two here from this passage The next element that we need to grasp is we need constant connection with Jesus. We need constant connection with Jesus. Notice the quote that Jesus gives us in verse 5. He says, I am the vine, you're the branches. If you, and here's the most often repeated word in this section of verses, if you remain, if you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Remain is the repeated word. Remain this constant interconnection. The standard is remaining. Imagine this branch firmly embedded, firmly woven into the trunk of the tree. There must be this regular routine flow, this source of nutrition and energy that goes from the trunk 
into the branch or into the vine, from the vine into the branches. And you can see that interchange, that source of nutrition that is there. There must be that connection. There must be that firm embeddedness. Could you imagine if there is this branch that is in sometimes and then is disconnected sometimes? You just know it's not going to bear fruit. And it's the same for you and for me. Jesus said that there needs to be this remaining, and that's the standard, a remaining, this constant connection. It can't be I'm in for a day and then separated for a few weeks, or I'm in for another day and then I'm apart for another week or two, but there must be this constant connection. And so then we ask, well, how do I remain in Jesus? And I want to give you a few sources of routine remaining connection with Jesus. Number one, probably the most obvious one, would be the Word of God. We need a regular connection with the Word of God. That is a routine remaining with Jesus Christ. Now, I want want to mention to you, if you don't have a regular connection with the Word of God, one way... And a great way to start off tomorrow morning, Monday morning, would be with our Bible reading schedule. And it's going to be on Facebook. It's going to be on our website, eastbaycalvary.org. And there are five days, Monday through Friday, of tremendous Bible passages that all are rooted. They're great passages rooted in this whole subject about Jesus Christ changing our lives. It's a great way to get started, but we need a constant source of nutrition from God's Word. There's some other ways to get rooted in God's Word, and I tell you, there's so many resources for you, but you can even go online. You can go onto Our Daily Bread. Just Google Our Daily Bread. They will send you a daily devotional in your email. I also go on Insight for Living. And it's, a, it's another one, just Google Insight for Living. They will send you a daily devotional to your email. There's so many other places you can go. There's Bible apps. But the main thing is, friends, we need a steady source of remaining in God's Word every day. Let me tell you another way that we remain with Jesus is through constant communication with Him. In prayer, the Bible calls it this, as I learned it as a kid, pray without ceasing or just be in constant connection with Jesus Christ. Practice the presence of Jesus and talk to him wherever you are, in the house or in the car or in the shower, on your way to work, wherever you are as you're working with the kids. Wherever you are in your situation throughout the day, be Be connected with Jesus routinely and talking to him. Here's another thing, another way to be connected with God. There's through his word, there's through prayer, there's understanding of his spirit's presence with us. Everyone who's a follower of Jesus, God has implanted his Holy Spirit within our lives. It's what helps to change us. And his Holy Spirit is there. We need to be open to his promptings and his leadings be listening and understanding. And then a fourth way 
to be open and connected and remaining with God is also through his people. And I really think that this is important. And God has told us that a way that we follow him is with other people that are following him. And so the people of God are so critical. The people of God help us. When we start to stray, they help us to get on track to continue to follow God. And so I just want to encourage you that we remain with Jesus through the Word of God, through communication with God, through the Spirit of God, and through the people of God. Those are all critical ways to remain. We can't let time go. Just like a branch can't disconnect from the trunk and then come back later, we really need a constant connection with God. All of the above things are important elements of remaining in constant connection with God. And then here's the last thing I want to mention that the text talks about with as important with our being changed by Jesus Christ. We are changed by Jesus Christ when he prunes us. Because when he prunes, we bloom. When he prunes, we bloom. And I just want to mention, this is what the text says in verse 2 of John 15. It says, while every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. Did you catch that? Every branch that bears fruit. So if you're bearing fruit, he's going to prune you so that you'll be even more fruitful. Now, I want to share with you my experience last spring when I pruned my apple tree. And I I had never done this before, but we had noticed for two years our apple tree, it had some apples, but it was older. And it it had um, a lot of dead branches on it. It had a lot of dead fruit from the year before. It was getting overgrown. It was getting out of hand. I had never pruned, so I asked a friend from church for some help, and he came out, and he walked me through some of the finer elements of pruning. And I really wanted the tree to flourish, but I didn't know what to cut. And truthfully, I was a little bit intimidated. So here's some things that I learned from pruning. He mentioned to cut three different things. He said, number one, you cut dead branches. They'd been there forever. They aren't producing, but we're kind of used to them being there. And he says, you know what, dead branches, you think that they're, they're no big deal. He says that they can bring rot, they can bring disease, they can bring insects and worms to the tree. And he says, you know what, you just get rid of them. He says, they don't need to be there, you get rid of dead branches. Then he said, he mentioned suckers. I had no idea what suckers were. And he said, you go ahead and they're branches that come right off the trunk. He said, they just take from the source and they never give fruit. They are consumers they are not contributors. He said, you just get rid of them. He says, easy decisions. And and then they were, really. So I was able just quickly, I just started snipping dead branches and suckers, dead branches and suckers. But then were the tough choices. And I'm just being honest with you, that's when the tough choices came. There were living branches. There were healthy branches. And there were too many of them. And he showed me, here came a branch off of the trunk, and as it went out, there would be a number of branches that went off of that limb that came off from the trunk. And he's and he mentioned, you know, there's only so much resource that those branches can get off of that limb. 
And he says, you know what? If you have five branches off of that limb, he says, it's too many. Pick your best two and get rid of three. He says, and here's what he called it. We got rid of dead branches. We got rid of suckers. And then he said, and you get rid of the competition. Get rid of competition. He says, if there's five, he says, you need to pick your best two and you clip three. He says, you may feel bad. You may feel like you're missing out or you're wasting, but he says this. He says, you want to spend your resources growing fruit, not branches. Spend your resources growing fruit, not branches. And this is what Jesus was all about. The hard decisions in pruning the good branches for which there are too many. God is all about growing fruit in your life. He's all about changing your life. He's not about busyness and branches. He wants to grow character and fruit and integrity and Christ-likeness in the life of his people. And so just think about this. Pruning isn't easy. But Jesus prunes us to change us so that we can bear more fruit. And some clippings are easy. You know, some clippings like sin, you know, the, the dead branches, those are easy. Wrong behaviors and attitudes, I mean, those are, those are easy ones to figure out. Wrong words and expressions toward others, wrong habits, those are ones we, we know which ones to clip. Those are obvious prunings he'll want to make sure that we get rid of so we can bear more fruit. But then there's hard decisions in our pruning. There's the good branches for which there are too many. And these last two months, God's been doing some, some serious pruning in our lives. Let's just talk about it. God has pruned our lives. I mean, what's your schedule look like this weekend, huh? I mean, what's your social look like? Your social life? You going anywhere? You doing that much? I mean, there's not a lot going on. What's your church life look like? I mean, I don't know what your work life looks like, but things have been dramatically clipped in our lives. Our habits, our routines, our outings, everything has been clipped. Our entertainment, so many things have been done away with. And you know, and I'm hearing people say, let's just get this over with so we can get back to life the way that it was. And here's what I want you to think about before you keep saying that. I want you to think about maybe there is something God wants you and I to learn from this pruning. Maybe there's something that God wants us to hit the pause button because you know what? God has pruned us all the way back to two things and it is family and it is living the life of a follower of Jesus Christ in the real world. Those are the two things that he's clipped us right back to. And before we just heap on everything that we used to do before, maybe we really need to think about what lessons are in all of this pruning for us. Remember, God isn't into growing a lot of branches. He's into growing a lot of fruit in our lives. So with my apple tree, I pruned it, and then I pruned it some more. And I actually felt bad about some of what I was pruning and clipping, but it was perfectly fine because 
it was actually making a very good tree, even though I didn't understand everything that I was doing, and I pruned it, and later in the spring, I was absolutely blown away with the results. I took a couple of pics, and it showed the pruned branches right next to exploding buds of fruit from my apple tree. And the way that this tree just blossomed and budded with fruit was beyond my imagination. And then last fall, that tree had so many apples on it, more than what we had seen the two years prior. We couldn't believe it. Way fewer branches, way more fruit, and it was exactly what we were hoping for from pruning. So, you know, We've been saying this all along. God isn't into church attendance. He just doesn't want people to occupy a pew. He just doesn't want numbers and stats. He wants genuine followers of Jesus Christ. He wants to change people from the inside out. And the question isn't really, what is God all about? The question for you and for me here today is, what are we all about? Are we about just merely showing up and watching the video for an hour and then turning it off and doing our own thing? Are we all about maybe one day just showing up and attending church and then checking that box? Are we really about being a follower of Jesus Christ and letting him change our life? Not going in alone, remaining in the vine and letting him prune us the way that he sees fit so that we can bear more fruit. So I just want to reiterate this with you. Let's talk about this, and then we're going to finish up. Friend, I just want to encourage you, don't go it alone. Don't go it alone. When it comes to our lives, repent of self and sin. Embrace the forgiveness of Jesus Christ when he died on the cross for you. Don't go this life alone. It all starts with Jesus. It all starts at the cross. Jesus said it, no branch can bear fruit by itself. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Start with Jesus at the cross. Don't forge this path all by yourself. It won't work. Without him, you can do nothing. Repent. Embrace Jesus as your forgiver and your leader. Don't go it alone. Number two, stay in constant contact with Christ. Remember, the standard is remaining. Remaining. Are we in constant contact with Christ? It's all about remaining with Him in in His Word, in prayer, in His Spirit, with His people. Let's remain in constant contact. And then lastly... Appreciate his pruning. God is never closer to you than when he's pruning you. And while you may be happy with the fruit that you currently have, realize he looks at you, he knows what can be produced. He wants you to look more like Christ, and so every bit of pruning that he gives is with that purpose in mind. He wants even more fruit, so embrace 
his corrective clippings. It's the product in the end. It's the fruit that we all love and that he smiles upon. So I encourage you as you take these thoughts with you, talk about them with your small group. Open up about these things. Talk about how God may be working in your life to really produce the image of Jesus in you as a follower of him because that's why he has called you. He wants you to look like Jesus. I want to pray for you before we go. And right before I pray for you, I, I just want you to remember, tomorrow starts our Bible reading. I want you to be in on that right away, first thing tomorrow morning. Look for it online on our website or on Facebook. You'll see that schedule for the whole week. Make sure you connect with it. But let me pray with you, would you? Let's pray together. God, thank you that you just don't rescue us and leave us. But Father, that you rescue us and you redeem us to change us and to change us to look like what we should look like all along, and that's Jesus Christ. Father, continue to do the work that you're doing. I pray, Lord, that you would help us to remain in you, in constant contact. Don't allow these times to go by. Don't allow the big gaps. God, help us to stay close with your word, in prayer, with your people. But God, keep that same source going of nutrition so that way we can grow in the character and nature of Jesus. And then, Father, I know it's not a popular prayer, but thank you for your pruning. Thank you for the clippings. Thank you for cutting back the things that hold us back. And God, help us not to grow branches. God, help us to grow fruit. Fruit that remains. Fruit that pleases you. Help us to look more and more like Jesus. And we pray all of this in the name of our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. And remember, friends, we are all ordinary people in everyday lives for real-life disciple-making. God bless you.